It's show 138 of the Rim Pro Report today, Tom Simpson, and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. This week, they announced that the charity partner they've chosen for their upcoming O'Neill Partner Conference is St. Jude's Research Hospital. St. Jude's is a great story. Almost 70 years ago, as a struggling young entertainer, Danny Thomas knelt in a church and prayed to St. Jude Thaddeus, the patron saint of hopeless causes. Help me find my way in life and I will build you a shrine. That simple promise and his later success as a television star led Danny to found St. Jude Children's Hospital, which opened in 1962. You can learn more about the cause of the O'Neill Partner Conference and the famous Record Center Challenge at O'Neillsoft.com. No hopeless causes today. We've got a show to do. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Greetings and salutations. I'm glad you're here. The showers have passed. The flowers are in bloom and May is now here. I hope you're blossoming in your business. You know, a third of the year is already done. I hope you're on track to accomplish the goals you set for yourself this year. And uh, this uh, this time of year is a good time to check yourself against your goals. Today on the show, we have a gentleman who has accomplished some pretty cool goals himself. Tom Simpson is the president of AAA Certified Confidential Security Corp based in Peoria, Illinois. Tom is a legend in the shred world. He was the first AAA NAID certified company in the world. He was a founding member of NAID and he's been a shredding industry rock star ever since today we learn more about him and his story but before we do let's catch you up on the most recent industry news i have to say it's been a pretty light news week but here's a couple of items that are on my radar a couple of days ago iron mountain announced the launch of their new enterprise multi-tenant data center service called iron mountain data centers a portfolio of services for organizations seeking a secure and compliant data center environment Iron Mountain will lease space in its underground facility in Boyers, PA for wholesale and retail co-location data centers. Some pretty cool photos of the facility on the company website and also on Facebook. So that's a, a, a new, seems to be a new evolution of the whole data protection side of Iron Mountain and uh, this whole co-location, underground co-location service they're doing. So that's pretty cool. Uh, PRISM Conference is fast approaching in just a couple of weeks. I'm excited about hearing Harvey McKay speak this year. He's the author of Swim with the Sharks as well as a number of other big name books. I'm also delivering a couple of sessions as well. One is based on trust-based sales and marketing and another one on updated web marketing. So I'd love to see you there. And you know, that's all the news I have for this week. Yep, kind of slow week in the old RIM news world. But if you have news you want to share, drop me a line, send me a smoke signal. I'd like to hear from you. All right. I'm going to get Tom Simpson on the line. Hang tight while I do. Tom Simpson is the president of Confidential Security Corp based in Peoria, Illinois, a veteran of the shred industry. I'm extremely grateful to have him on the show today. Tom, are you there? I am. 
Pleasure to be here, Tom. Yeah, welcome to uh, to the show. Welcome to you. I'm I'm really grateful to have you on. So let let's be, begin with your company, Confidential Security Corp. Tell me a little bit about what the company looks like today in terms of services, size, staff, locations. Give me a sense of what CSC is today. Okay, well, it's not only CSC, but uh, several years ago we changed the name uh, to AAA Certified Confidential Security Corporation, and what we are um, is a plant-based shredding company. We have been ever since the beginning of the company, and we continue to be plant-based today. We're, uh, as you said, located in Peoria, Illinois. We uh, currently have 15 employees, uh, six trucks, and uh, we've uh, we've been doing this uh, for 29 years. Wow! Wow! 29 years. That's pretty amazing. So tell me your story before Confidential Security Corp, now AAA certified Confidential Security Corp. Tell me a little bit about, can we just call you CSC from now on? Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. CSC is fine. Okay. So uh, let's let's start before CSC was ever established. What were you doing before then? What? Tell me a little bit about your own personal story. Happy to. Following uh, graduation uh, from college, uh, Taught both in high school and university for a couple of years. Wow. Then I I was uh, enticed by an uncle to leave teaching and join the family-owned online publishing company, textbook publishing company here in Peoria. Really? And so I went there, um, was there for 25 years, uh, learned a lot about uh, education, learned a lot about people, had uh, over 100 employees, and that company uh, was sold in uh, 1982. After I'd been there for 25 years, 82, 83, somewhere in that area, it was sold. I stayed on with the subsequent owner, which today would be McGraw Hill. Didn't really like or care for the role that I was playing at that time, and so was looking for something else to do. And uh, a friend of mine was playing with the the shredding business, and I mean literally playing. It was a hobby for him, Hmm. and he asked me to help him, and and I did help him for some time and eventually ended up buying the business, and that's kind of where we are today. So you come into this situation that your friend's playing at, but this is back in in the mid-'80s, isn't it? Late-'80s, yeah. Late-'80s. He he started the business in 1984 three or 84 and uh, I joined him probably five years later and he was still playing and just tooling around and uh, when he started this business I was still in the publishing business yeah so I mean back in 89 though even 84 to 89 that whole stretch I mean the shredding industry really hasn't become much of a much of a factor in the world Um, tell me a little bit about what CSC looked like um, in you know when you started working with them in 89 well, there was uh, one little office shredder. It was uh, an Allegheny office shredder. Yeah. Uh, we had a uh, baler that would uh, produce, uh, I think they called it an econo baler or something. It would produce hay bale-sized bales of really? paper. <laughs> and we had one broken-down rental truck that he had, and, and he, he had a, a rented office space. He would go home forward his calls to his home. If somebody called and wanted shredding, he'd drive in, he'd get in the truck, he'd go pick up the shredding, he'd take it back, and he'd shred it. And 
that's what he did for several years, and that was kind of the way he played with it. And if it wasn't convenient, he'd tell him he'd get him tomorrow or, or whatever. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't have his heart in the business, but yet it was something for him to do. And he just got tired of it and wanted to retire and, and go away, and so I said, fine, I'll, uh, I'll take it over. I think there's something here that we can build on and uh, we can work with. And, and in the meantime, we had landed actually a couple of very good customers that are still with us today, and so that was part of the uh, incentive to, to stay with it and see if we could build it. So ninety three, I, I read in the the bio on your your website that you purchased the company. So uh, you saw something obviously in the playing he was doing. So what what compelled you at that point, or what were some some of the reasons that you went, yeah, this makes sense to do, and this is a business worth acquiring and something to invest my time and energy in. A couple of things. Um, there weren't any shredding companies between Chicago and St. Louis. And so we looked at Central Illinois as a potential opportunity for growth and expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were uh, we had a very controlled, planned growth. We would look for a fairly large new company each year, and, and so we didn't have to run right out and beat on the bushes and find a lot of small companies or find a lot of big companies. We just stair-stepped our way to success in those early years. And it worked. It worked hmm. quite well until all of the big guys found Central Illinois, and we started getting a lot of competition. In those early years, most of what I was doing, though, was educating people. Uh, it was my old teaching background. I right. was going out and explaining to people why they needed a shred and what they should be looking for in a shredding company, and, and uh, just trying to uh, get the word out about shredding, because there weren't a lot of people other than possibly Fawn Hill and... Uh, Oliver North, that were doing shredding in those days. So <laughs> I, I just saw it as a good opportunity. Yeah. So your your the the growth of the company you said was kind of slow and steady, but it was fueled by this teaching. What were you doing? Were you out teaching at Chamber of Commerce, or was it more one on one, you know, sort of traditional missionary style work where you were you were getting in front of people and explaining it, or was it was it more one-to-many? Did you feel more comfortable in a group environment, or what, what were you doing to fuel that? Everything. Everything. Okay. I've, I've spoken at Rotary Clubs. I, I've done that a number of times. I have uh, knocked on doors and, and gotten an audience with uh, principals and businesses and talked to them and uh, educated them on the needs for shredding and protecting their intellectual property and their confidential information. And this was before anybody was even talking about identity theft. Right. In fact, identity theft didn't even occur to me or, or become a real thing to me until I went to my second aid convention and had my identity stolen. <laughs> so <laughs> At the aid convention. Yes, yes, yes. Ouch, so. there's a story right there. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've brought up Nade, which is an interesting uh, thing because uh, you're you're world renowned. Uh, you you have a reputation in Nade as the the first guy, the the first guy in the door. So you joined Nade in what well, I think it was '94 as a charter member. Tell me about your initial connection to Nade and how that all transpired. Well, one of the things that I was doing again in the early years or the early time of the shredding industry was looking for a trade association because we had a very strong one in the Association of American Publishers. Right. And I was quite active in that 
during my 25 years in the publishing business, and I served on a number of committees, and I saw how we were able to perform lobbying efforts in uh, Washington, D.C. and and various states, Um, served on uh, committees that actually had an effect on what was happening in the publishing industry for the educational community uh, during that period. So I knew how effective and how strong a good trade association could be and and how important it was. And secondly, I was out here by myself, Mm -hmm. so to speak, in the wilderness, trying to educate and tell people why they needed to shred. And so I wanted to also have a third-party validation for what I was doing, that it wasn't just me, but it was a body larger than me that was, in fact, backing what we were doing and giving us uh, the information going forward. So I was looking for Nade before Nade came around. So when Nade raised their hand and said, we're out here, I I was one of the first people to join. I couldn't wait to get to the first conference. And I've been involved ever since, and I've stayed involved. And I I think, as um, you're probably aware, I've served in, in almost every electable position within Nade. The only thing I have not done is been treasurer, but I've been past president on several occasions because I fill the void when uh, <laughs> another past president would leave the industry or something, so I was appointed to fill in. And, and I've just I've just found Nate a very, very viable asset in a part of my shredding uh, industry or in, in my shredding business. And, and I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Nate and the outside influences that Nade brings to this industry. So you were also the very first Nade certified shop in the U.S., right? You you were the first one to get certified. So tell me a little bit about uh, what it what that whole process entailed for you, because uh, obviously that's a big deal to be the first one through the certification process. Well, that certainly wasn't what I wanted to do. I did. I, I had no desire or intention of being the first. To be certified, but as I told you, I I felt that I needed some validation. I yeah. needed third-party validation. Yeah. And so after I became elected to the board, um, one of the challenges that I was championing was that we become certified. As you can imagine, in the early days, Nate was strictly entrepreneurs, right. individuals that owned a shredding business. There weren't uh, there wasn't representation to speak of from the Shreddits and the Iron Mountains and those people at that yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, so none of the other owners wanted to have a certification and have somebody telling them how to run their business. But to me, I, I saw it as, as a vital element. So it, it took me about five years of pushing and prodding and trying to get Nate to finally allow us to run the thing up the flagpole and see if it would fly. So I, I think it was about July we got... Uh, the board to approve a draft certification program, and then we sat, and nothing happened, and nothing happened. And you may or may not remember, that's about the time that Bob Johnson left Nade and went out on his own for a while, and so we uh, hired a professional manager to run Nade at that point, and so he didn't know anything about shredding. Right. And I, I had to hold his hands through a brand new project that we were just launching, which was certification. And here we here we are. Uh, we got this thing off the ground in about July or August. We're winding towards our national conference in the spring of the year. And after the first of the year, nobody is taking the bait. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody's standing up and saying, 
I want to be certified. Hmm. And so finally, about a month before the national convention, I said, okay, I, I know what's involved. I understand it. We can't go to the convention and sell this idea to our members if nobody's been certified. So I raised my hand, didn't want to be the first, but was the first. And uh, we got certified, and then we went to the uh, national convention and launched the thing on a, a nationwide basis. Wow. So that, that's how I became the first one. Yeah, well, very cool. So you were, you were in many cases, in many ways, the person pushing it forward, and you were the actual one who had to, to take the, the first step. But how does it feel now, uh, all these years later, looking back and going, you know, does it feel good? I, I hope you feel a sense of pride about what you, you know, really launched in the industry. Very proud of where we are today, and I, I look at my, I look at the certification. I look how it has matured, how it's developed, how we've added things to it, how how we culled it and improved it along the way, and I, I just think, wow, you know, this this started from just an idea, and and here we are today, and now it is worldwide. We are drawing foreign members into the certification program yeah. regularly, and, and I just, I, you know, I, I'm just very proud of where we are and where we've come from. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that only from looking at your website, certification within NAID and the, the connection to NAID is powerfully important to you, but it appears to me that you've done a lot of certifications outside of NAID, and there's an importance of that to you. Tell me about that in your business. Well, uh, we are also ISO certified. Uh, gee, I, I think it's 9,000. One? Eight or two thousand yeah. or whatever, okay. two thousand one, whatever the ISO yeah. designation is today, and it's changed several times. And we uh, jumped on that about uh, three or four years after we became NAID certified. And not that ISO is anything wonderful, but it is another credential that uh, I can put in my quiver of credentials when I go out to to talk to businesses. So I felt that getting these things uh, behind us or on, on our letterhead was quite important. Hmm. And as we built the business, uh, we always uh, built it on relationships and on friendships and things. And so it helped people understand who we were to have these credentials, I felt. Hmm. Have you seen very significant uh, correlation between the certifications you've achieved and the results it's provided you? Specifically, no, but I, I think in general, yes. One of my objectives when I said uh, I would I would try this business out was I I did not want to be considered another trash hauler. I didn't want to be the mm -hmm. uh, Browning and Ferris or the waste management. Right. I wanted this to be a profession, and so everything that I have done has always kept that idea in mind that we're setting ourselves apart to be a profession, and, and I I get that goal ahead of me, and so the certifications. Uh, help configure this profession, help identify who we are, and, and I think we've achieved it. I mean, today people look at us, and two years ago nobody even thought about shredding as, as a good, viable business, but today I, I think they understand that it is. Yeah. Well, you, you touched on something there that leads me to another question, which is a, a business philosophy that seems to be part of the way you come to the business. You come from the publishing business, which was you know, before that you were a teacher. Uh, so there, there's obviously a philosophy or a way of thinking that you come to business with. And I realize this is a big question, 
but um, what what are some of the things that drive your belief about business and how it should be done or or what's important in that? Give me a sense of sort of how you think about it at a more global level. Uh, one of my uh, personal philosophies is people. I, I, I just love people. I, I, I put people ahead of most everything else. I look for people that I can help, that I can assist, and, and I've always kept the improvement of people out there and, and tried to figure out how that can be utilized in my business and how it also boils over to the service side of things, too. Right. Uh, not only are, are we out here just to provide a service, but we're out there to, to really help people and to protect them and, and to provide them the things that they need to be successful. So I've always kind of kept this philosophy that... Uh, People are the most important element, both inside and outside the business, hmm. and that—that's really what I've grown on. Well, and that, and that seems to me that it it then moves from your client orientation and your marketing and sales orientation back internally in terms of staffing, as you just mentioned that. So how, how do you hire people to serve people? What, what are you looking for? Uh, what is, you know, a secret in terms of, of that you've learned in terms of hiring the right people to, to fuel this, this machine that you've got going? Well, there's no real secret there. I, as I said, I, I like people. Uh, I, I interview people. I, I look for things that I think I can build. Qualities are there. If you looked at my drivers, there's there's no two drivers that are even close to being identical. Uh, different ones come from different areas. They bring us different things. And if there's something there, if there's a quality that I see that I think we can build on and utilize, even though nobody else in the business maybe possesses that, hmm. uh, I'll be drawn to them. I've, I've all but hired blind drivers. <laughs> if I could hire a blind driver, I'd probably hire one if you, I figure out how to make him uh, a good driver. But uh, over the years, we've had a lot of people through here, as you can imagine. Yeah. And each time, uh, I've looked for youth. I've looked for uh, enthusiasm. I've looked for retired people. And if, if there's something that they can offer to this business, and they can't all offer the same thing, and I and I get complaints from some other employees that maybe he's too slow, or, but he's here every day and he's on time and he gets a job done. So right. you have to overlook those things. So I, I look for the good in people and I try and build on that. And if, if I can get the people to develop the way I want them to develop, they're they're going to be appreciated by our customers and on the outside also. Yeah. So you've talked about people and you've talked about your belief that people are the secret, uh, you know, for you in terms of a philosophy. But going back over the years, you've been in the this business now for almost as long as you were in the publishing business. Uh, very close. Very close. So uh, if you could point out a couple of specific reasons for your company's success, maybe other than people, what might they be? Okay, service. I, I, I put service as... Uh, the one thing out there that we can do better than anybody else, I think we can service better than the, some of the national companies. I've always believed in the philosophy there will be a place for a mom and pop in this industry hmm. if they can provide the service. And there are a lot of companies that are going to be drawn to utilizing the large national companies. But I, I think if you can provide the service, if you can respond to your customers' needs, 
there will be a, a good, strong place for us. And that, that's probably the most important thing, and that's the thing that I keep reminding my employees, that anybody can do what we're doing. But if, if we can beat them with service, we're going to be successful, and I think we have. So what's that look like? Because service is a term we talk about, but how, how is it that the CSC operation, in your case, uh, differentiates itself with service? What, what are the practical ways you're doing that? Well, I don't like routes for the sake of routes. If a customer calls and they need our service, we try to identify. Well, first of all, my, my philosophy is that we will service every customer within 24 hours. Wow. If they call and they need us. Now, that said, we identify what their requirements are, what, whether they really need some shredding right now or they can wait till next Wednesday and we'll get to them then. But... Uh, if, if at all possible, we're going to do them as quickly as we can for the minimum cost that we can. And we have uh, tried to be very fair in our pricing. We, we pr- have priced and do price on a per-pound basis, and, and we do that because it's fair to the customer because they're paying for what we're shredding, and it's fair to us because we're uh, getting paid for the amount of work that we do. Hmm. So I've, I've always liked that, and... I, th- I think that that and the fact that we try to serve and put service as the most important element of our business out there, okay. that, that's why we've been successful. Very cool. So if you were to advise someone wanting to get involved in the shredding and destruction business, what would your first and most important thing uh, to tell them? What What would you say is really the secret sauce of making this business work? Well, I know you'll edit this, but I would say don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that being said, I'll get serious. Um, you've got to do your, today, today especially, due diligence. Uh, figure out who you are, where you are, who your, cust- or who your clients could be, what your competition could be. It, don't just run out and buy equipment and think you're going to be in business. That worked maybe... 10 or 15 years ago, right. but today there's a lot of saturation in various markets. You have to figure out what's going to be good for you or what you can do. Um, I, I would I would never want to do what I've done the way I've done it today. I would hmm. do it differently than, than if I was going to do uh, start over again today. As I said earlier, we're a plant-based. If I was going to start today new, I'd probably have to have some mobile trucks. Right. Um, and that's that's how you build credibility with your customers because you let them see you perform the, the work in front of them. And if you can uh, then get them to allow you to take it to an off-site location to actually do the work, you can uh, create some economies that aren't there when you're shredding at the curb line, right. running a diesel engine and, and making a lot of noise and dust and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So... Do your due diligence. Get ready to get in. Don't just run out and buy equipment if if you're not prepared. Optionally, don't do it. <laughs> Optionally. So uh, you, we already discussed this, but you were in the publishing business for almost you know 25 years. You were you've been in this business almost that long. How is the shredding business different than publishing, and maybe how is it the same? It's it is the same, and it is different. Yeah. It's 180 degrees apart. During my period of 
25 years in publishing, I was collecting and preserving information and putting it into book forms for others to use. Now, 180 degrees later, I'm collecting information and destroying it. And sometimes it breaks my heart. Right. But that, that's, I've gone full circle in my career. Hmm. So, so how are they the same? <laughs> in, in both cases, you're serving. Right. Again, you're, right. you're providing educational information for people to, to grow from. You're now providing a service that will help them and protect them in their business or in their personal life. Yeah, well, that's so it great. all comes back to people. Yeah, that's great. So if you could go back to 93 when you purchased the company and change anything with all you know today, what else might you do differently other than buying a mobile shred truck? What what other things now now looking back with all the certifications and all the work you've done and all the history you've had in this business, is there anything else you'd go back uh, and say, "Tom, you should do this differently?" Well, I might, have, I might have purchased a mobile truck because I really like equipment. That, and that's one of the things that drove me into this business t uh, to begin with was because we, we saw, I saw the opportunity to be around machines. I, I'm a gearhead, uh, hmm. no denying it. A lot of people know that I've raced uh, sports cars for 45 years. So, you know, I've, I've been around that stuff. And to me, this is just another type of machine and anything that a man can build to be taken apart and repaired and worked on, and that's kind of what I've enjoyed over the years. Um, uh, is there anything else from a business uh, perspective, a way you would have done things, a direction you would have headed uh, earlier on? Is there anything you do, you would have done differently? I probably, I probably would have gotten more aggressive in signing up clients. As I, as I mentioned earlier, it was a, a steady, gradual growth we didn't want to sign up clients leaps and bounds. We had put money in the bank. We paid cash for everything as we moved along. So it was a, a good, steady growth. But today, with all of the competition out there, I probably would have had to put more emphasis on client development and get more big-dollar clients out of the chute, so to speak, mm -hmm. and would have almost had to forsake some of my principles of uh, getting a client doing a good job, being successful, and making them appreciate you, and then moving on to the next one. Hmm. So what kind of racing did you do, or do you still do? I still do. I was racing uh, a week and a half ago. I raced uh, sports cars. I have raced, uh, I started out in the late 60s racing a, a Corvette on closed road courses, uh, purpose-built road courses. Hmm. still do it today. I've raced... Uh, from Watkins Glen, New York, and Lime Rock, Connecticut, to Monterey, California. Raced at Daytona. I've raced uh, in Wisconsin. I've raced in Canada. I travel around the country, and, and I'm doing it today. But I, I've moved on to the senior uh, side of things now. I'm, I'm racing vintage cars in a vintage uh, racing program. I'm, I'm racing a 1966 Can-Am car. Wow. A 19, 1972 Indianapolis car. Wow, very cool. Very cool. So if someone were to publish a book about Tom Simpson, what would the title be? Uh, he's not done yet. <laughs> he's never going to retire. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. So yep. there's still a lot left in the tank. There's a lot left. Um, I can't wait to get to work every day. I'm here between 5 and, and 5.30 every day, and I go home at roughly 5 o'clock every night. 
I'm the first one here and the last one out every day, and I can't wait to get here each day. Oh, that's so cool to hear. Well, I'm glad you're still having fun, and uh, you have been a huge influence on the industry. And uh, I realize that it's not my my right or place to say this, but uh, I will as just one lone voice. Thank you for everything you've done in this industry. You have made a huge impact, and uh, for that, we are all grateful. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I I, I try to try to do the things that, to me, make sense. And uh, I guess as long as it makes sense to somebody, uh, it, it's a good thing. So, but thank you very much, Tom. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your story with us today. My pleasure. Well, there you have it. Another great story. Special thanks to Tom Simpson for sharing his story and his success with us. It's pretty cool to be the first, and uh, he accomplished that. And thanks to you, too, for stopping by to be a part of the show this week. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, a big shout-out to our good friends at O'Neill Software for continuing to sponsor the show. I was watching a video they put out earlier this week talking about the cool tool they have in their software called Event Notification. It's kind of like the doorbell that rings when you open the door and walk into a store, only it works with orders and other cool events in the software. Very cool stuff, and you can learn more about it and a whole lot more at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. I hope you have a great week ahead. We'll check back next week. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.